Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Breaking overnight, stunning new details coming to light in the Uvalde school shooting, including the first images of armed officers inside Robb Elementary just moments after the gunman stormed in. Just ahead, the new questions being raised over why police did not act sooner to stop the attack. And the growing outrage from family members demanding answers as the investigation takes center stage at a key hearing. All eyes on Washington, the January 6th committee set to hold its next public hearing and reveal new evidence placing blame for the insurrection at the feet of Donald Trump. While at the Supreme Court, an anxious nation braces for a highly anticipated decision that could overturn Roe versus Wade. So could that consequential ruling come this morning? We're live with complete coverage. No relief. More than 33 million Americans set to face brutally hot temperatures today, the first official day of summer. Record highs possible from the Midwest to the South. So when will things cool down? Your full forecast straight ahead. Those stories plus the great escape. New evidence just released in a mystery that's remained unsolved for 60 years. How did three inmates manage to break out of the notorious Alcatraz prison? It was hard to do, you know, uh, it was a very difficult thing to do. The new push behind finding them six decades later. And this is 40, Prince William celebrating a milestone birthday. We're live at Kensington Palace with an inside look at his life and growing influence on the future of the royal family. Today, Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, we're so happy you're joining us. This is a Tuesday, but it's just not any old Tuesday, no. is it? It's the longest day yeah. of the year, mm -hmm. the first official day of summer. It arrived at 5.14 a.m., and it feels like summer. A yeah. lot of the country just blanketed with extreme heat, apparently not going away anytime soon. Dylan is up bright and early with us with the forecast. Meantime, in Washington, round four of the January 6th hearings, it's happening today. One focus, a plan to send fake electors to the nation's capital to stop the transfer of power. And across the street of the Supreme Court, justices set to release a number of opinions on high-profile cases. The big question as these weeks go on, will it include that Mississippi abortion ban? That is a decision that could overturn Roe versus Wade. We are live with the latest on both of those major Washington stories. But we're going to start with new details on the delayed police response to that shooting in Uvalde, Texas, that took the lives of 19 children and two teachers. A just-released image from inside the school shedding more light on just how well armed the officers were that day and yet still did not storm the gunman for more than an hour. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is here in studio with the latest. Hey, Gabe, good morning. Hold on, Savannah, good morning. According to that new report, it appears officers at the scene had heavier firepower and more protective gear than previously known, but no clear orders to end the attack. The new revelation set to be presented at a public Texas Senate hearing later today. 
This is the first look inside Robb Elementary during the Uvalde massacre. The still image comes from surveillance video reviewed by the Austin American Statesman, but not confirmed by NBC News. It appears to show multiple officers armed with rifles and at least one ballistic shield in a hallway 19 minutes after the gunman started shooting. That's according to the statement's review of materials. Investigators uh, really believe at this point, based on my understanding, that that was certainly enough firepower to try to take on the gunman. So why did officers wait nearly another hour to storm the classroom? Whether you have the equipment or not, you just go in, and that never happened here. Separately, the Texas Tribune released a detailed timeline overnight based on video footage and investigative materials not confirmed by NBC News. According to that report, the shooter opened fire at officers closest to classrooms 111 and 112. Several minutes later, the Tribune reports School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo phoned into dispatch requesting more firepower. We all have pistols, he said, according to a transcript reviewed by the Tribune. And this guy's got a rifle. The question of why they were not directed to go in uh, and, and who should have been giving that direction, I think those are questions that the investigators, state, federal, and local, are going to be focusing on for a long while. Victims' families demanding accountability last night at a school board meeting in Uvalde, including the daughter of teacher Irma Garcia, who was killed, and Joe Garcia, who died of a heart attack days later. I need you to know that the horrifying manner in which my mother was murdered and taken from us completely shattered our hearts, but made my dad's stop. The pain of losing the love of his life, his high school sweetheart, was too much for him to bear. Community members also called for embattled school district police chief Pete Arredondo to resign. Earlier this month, he responded to criticism, saying he did not instruct police to avoid a breach and that he never considered himself the scene's incident commander. Arredondo did not respond to our request for comment overnight. The Uvalde City Council is scheduled to consider later today whether to grant him a leave of absence from future council meetings. Yeah, all right, Gabe, those images are something. Thank you. Thank you, Gabe. And now to what's shaping up to be a very busy day in Washington. The January 6th committee is set to hold its next public hearing, focusing this time on what it says was the Trump campaign's effort to overturn the results of the 2020 election at the state level. And all eyes will be on the Supreme Court later this morning, the nation awaiting several major rulings. We've got two reports. We'll start with NBC's Garrett Hagan. Today's January 6th hearing. Garrett, good morning. Walk us through what's planned for today. What's the new information expected to come out? Well, Savannah, you could think of today's hearing as something like a prequel to the hearing we saw last Thursday, stepping back about a month in time and out into the states where the committee will say that the Trump campaign went looking for votes to try to find votes to overturn the election results or to find fake electors to simply come to Washington and lie about who had won in some of these states. Now, today's hearing will be focused specifically on Georgia and Arizona, two traditionally Republican states where it was Republican local elected officials who the committee will say stood up to this pressure campaign and we'll hear from some of them today. Now in Georgia, much of this was reported in real time, including that call from former President Trump to the Secretary of State pressuring him to find votes. But the Arizona portion of this less well covered. A lot of that's going to be new to a lot of yours today. And some are asking uh, what this will all amount to. Is there any chance of a criminal referral of the former president or any of his aides? 
Well, the committee hasn't made a final decision on a criminal referral, but when you talk to these committee members or listen to their interviews, many of them do believe that former President Trump committed a crime, either in the effort to subvert the election results leading up to January 6th or for potentially inciting the attack on that day itself. That said, a criminal referral from the committee may not carry much weight. And one committee member said last week that he didn't want to insult the intelligence of the Department of Justice by simply walking an indictment down to their building and kind of laying it on the doorstep. Now, that said, the committee knows that prosecutors at both the federal and state levels are paying very close attention to these hearings. They want to present the best case possible, not just to the American people, but to those prosecutors who might be making those decisions in the future. Savannah. As you said, ultimately, the DOJ's call there. Garrett, thank you. And of course, NBC News will bring you live coverage of today's hearing starting 1 o'clock Eastern on many of these stations and on NBC News Now. Another hot button issue being closely watched in Washington and beyond, a Supreme Court ruling on abortion that could come as early as this morning. NBC's Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander joins us. Peter, uh, first, when might that decision come down and what can we expect when it does? Yeah, Hoda, you're right. It could come any day with a court expected to overturn Roe v. Wade, ending the constitutional right to an abortion. Now, if that happens, 13 states, Texas, Tennessee among them, already have what they call trigger laws that would immediately ban abortions. Other states, like California, have been preparing to serve as safe havens of sorts for abortion rights, offering support and legal services to women who travel from out of state for an abortion, Hoda. And Peter, there's pressure on the White House to do something ahead of yeah. this decision to take action. What's the latest on that? Yeah, that's for sure. Abortion rights advocates, they want the president, they want President Biden to take executive actions that would expand reproductive health services on federal lands and to increase access to abortion pills. That fight over abortion pills or medications really is heating up. They make up more than half of the abortions in the U.S. Some states are passing new laws to restrict access to those pills, but many abortion rights groups want those pills as simple to get as any prescription drug. The president, for his part, says that he is considering taking action, but I've been speaking to White House officials. They would not detail his plans. And to be clear, there's only so much that any president can do by executive order. Hoda. All right. Peter Alexander for us here at the White House. Peter, thanks. We move now to the economy. Wall Street entering a new week of trading after last week's volatility. And there are new signs this morning of the growing impact of soaring inflation on Main Street. Consumers cutting back as prices continue to skyrocket. NBC's Sam Brock is in Miami this morning with a closer look at that. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Uh, Savannah, good morning. President Biden says a recession is potentially avoidable, even with fresh data coming out today that may suggest otherwise. And many businesses will tell you, Savannah, they've been taking a haircut. I'm at the spot in Miami right now. This barbershop, which typically saw people coming in for a trim every single week, is now seeing the same customers biweekly or even monthly. This is businesses and consumers alike right now are modifying their spending. All eyes this morning fixated on a free-falling Wall Street after the S&P suffered its worst weekly drop since early in the pandemic and runaway inflation continues to crush consumers. President Biden is trying to project confidence. There's nothing inevitable about a recession. But he's also considering asking lawmakers for a temporary pause on the federal gas tax ahead of July 4th. With a record 42 million Americans expected to hit the road for the holiday weekend, and gas still hovering around $5 a gallon. The move, which requires congressional approval, could save drivers about 18 cents a gallon. Well, I hope I have a decision based on data I'm looking for by, uh, by the end of the week. Soaring prices at the pump, 
and the grocery store and the airways, resulting in changing consumer behavior, like visits to the barber shop or hairstylist. Ahmet Sim owns Salon Simis in Fairfax, Virginia, where he says he pays up to 40% more for shampoos and coloring products. He's trying to keep prices the same. Instead of coming every four weeks, they are now coming in every seven or every eight weeks sometimes. Increasingly, though, people are simply spending less. U.S. flight bookings fell 2.3% in May, even as airports buckled with traffic. People eating out at restaurants dipped 11% through Sunday compared to the same week in 2019, according to data from Open Table. Car sales dropped 4% in May, and existing home sales have fallen for three straight months. Though this Florida real estate agent says this is a healthy correction, adding higher interest rates have cooled frenzied behavior. Are you seeing less of that? Houses going way above asking. I do think in some pockets of every market, you are still seeing multiple offers, but you are seeing much less of that than we saw six months ago or a year ago. With the cost of everything on the rise, uncertainty is the only guarantee for families. And we mentioned that home and car sales are dropping. Well, that's what economists say needs to happen right now. Savannah, prices have been so cheap. Money has been so cheap to borrow for so long. It's driven up costs across the board. The hope right now long term is that by raising interest rates, it'll actually things, make things more affordable in the long run. Savannah? It's a long haul. Sam, thank you very much. 17 minutes after the hour, much more to cover. Mm -hmm. Good morning, Craig. Hey, Craig. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. As was mentioned just a few moments ago, folks, it's the first official day of summer, and it sure feels like in a lot of the country. A lot of the, a lot of the country dealing with record high temperatures, while tens of thousands of airline passengers are still trying to untangle themselves from that long holiday weekend of canceled flights. We're going to get to Dylan's forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Shaquille Brewster joins us from Chicago. Shaq, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Well, summer is here, and so are those record temperatures. Over the next week, about 70% of Americans expected to see temperatures above 90 degrees. 55 million expected to face triple-digit temperatures. That's weather that's not just potentially dangerous, but could add to those travel issues. This morning, triple-digit temperatures have Americans sweating from coast to coast as a heat dome spanning from the Midwest to the deep south moves east. More than 100 heat records are expected to be broken this week. The Century Club extending from Minnesota and Nebraska to Texas and Florida. The heat turning deadly in Houston, where a five-year-old boy died after being left inside a vehicle for several hours. Around the country, communities are looking for ways to stay safe. In Nashville, Lisa McCready leads a program focused on providing air conditioning units to the elderly and people in need. All of last summer, which was fairly mild, we gave out 48 units. As of right now today, just a little over a month into the program, we've given out 39. And in Chicago, a typical source of summer heat relief delayed. The city's 49 outdoor pools not opening until July 5th because of a lifeguard shortage. And if you're thinking of getting away for July 4th, experts say be flexible. I'm stuck here trying to figure out how to get home. The airlines are still recovering from a Juneteenth and Father's Day weekend that saw some 3,500 flights canceled. They simply don't have enough crews to operate all these flights. And the extreme heat may complicate air travel further. If it's too hot, planes might require longer runways or be forced to restrict the amount of weight they carry. 
There are always going to be weather cancellations. There are always going to be cancellations due to air traffic control. That's not the big picture here right now. This is an industry in crisis. Holiday weekend was one of the busiest travel days of the year, if not the busiest, with another holiday expected in less than two weeks. And as far as this heat that we're seeing, it's going to be a continuing issue. The EPA shows that in uh, in 20 or excuse me, in 1960, we averaged about two heat waves a year. Now we're averaging six. Craig. Shaq Brewster Force there in Chicago. Shaq, thank you. Well, that sets the table for Dylan Dreyer. Yes. Dryer is the word. <laughs> Very dry, Dryer yes. and hotter. Dryer and hotter, yes, for sure. We do have uh, more than 30 million people under heat advisories this morning. Notice it shifted a little farther to the east from where it was yesterday. So we're starting to get some relief in areas like uh, Minnesota, back through the Dakotas as well. It did come with some storms, but now we do have that heat pushing to the east. So here's what's going on. We have a huge ridge in the jet stream. It allows those warmer temperatures to come in from the south. But we also have an area of high pressure. High pressure means sinking air. It traps in the heat. So that's why we're looking at just exceptionally warm temperatures with highs likely to tie or break records as we go through the next several days. All of these areas, Rockford, South Bend, Fort Wayne, Wilmington, into Jackson, Kentucky, that's where we are expecting to tie or break records as we go into this afternoon. Chicago, the record's 101. We'll be close to it with a high of 99. Louisville, 97. Atlanta, 96 degrees. It's humid as well. That makes it feel even warmer. And as we continue into tomorrow, Nashville will likely tie a record with 100 degrees. Atlanta will likely break a record at 100 degrees. Uh, the old record is 98, so it is going to stay very hot. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank Thanks, you. Dylan. Coming up, an infamous escape from Alcatraz. Back in the spotlight this morning, the new clues that might unlock a 60-year-old mystery, including what happened to the three fugitives who managed to break free. Plus, today marks a milestone birthday for Prince William, the future king turning 40. This morning, Howie's stepping up to take on more duties and shaping the future of the monarchy. We'll have a live report from Kensington Palace. But first, this is Today on NBC. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In life. We're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com today. Just go to Indeed.com today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
We are back, 7.30. Oh. How pretty is that? Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Beautiful. Oh. Home of Craig Melvin, mm -hmm. South Carolina. First day of summer, longest day of the year. Mm. It's a pretty one. You know what they call that down there? What? It's the Grand Strand. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, beautiful. beautiful. Thought you were going to say God's country. Well, yeah. the whole state. The whole state. Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, let's get to your 7.30 headlines. And we began with the frightening crash here in New York City. A taxi cab hit a cyclist yesterday, then swerved onto a sidewalk, striking a group of pedestrians. Within seconds, bystanders rushed in to try to lift the taxi off two women who were pinned by the vehicle. In all, six people, including the cab driver, were taken to the hospital. Three patients are in critical condition this morning. Police believe it appears to be an accident, but an investigation into how it all happened is underway. Hong Kong's iconic jumbo floating restaurant has capsized in the South China Sea. It happened less than a week after it was towed away from the city. The restaurant took on water while being moved to a new location and eventually capsized. The restaurant had been a landmark in Hong Kong for more than four decades, serving Cantonese cuisine to more than three million guests, including Queen Elizabeth and Tom Cruise. It closed back in 2020 because of the coronavirus. Hundreds of thousands of basketball fans lined the streets of San Francisco yesterday, joining the Golden State Warriors in a celebration <laughs> of their latest championship. Players and coaches, they hopped off the buses, they mingled with the fans. They gave high fives. There's Coach Kerr. They gave had a bunch of selfies. Uh, Golden State beat Boston to win the title last Thursday. It's the fourth time in the past eight years the Warriors have lifted the Larry O'Brien <laughs> trophy. Congrats to Coach Kerr. Dub Nation celebrating mm -hmm. in style. No one, by the way, had more fun at that parade yeah. than Clay Thompson. <laughs> I encourage you to Google. Really? Okay. Celebrating, yes. <laughs> uh, but now that infamous prison break that's left authorities scratching their heads for decades. Yeah, it happened at the notorious Alcatraz prison and the U.S. Marshals have just released new age progressed images of the three fugitives who may still be in hiding. Hmm. Aaron, NBC's Aaron McLaughlin joins us now with more on this story. Hey Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. This is a 60-year-old mystery. We still do not know what happened to three fugitives who escaped from Alcatraz in 1962. But this morning, there's new indication that authorities are still trying to find out. The U.S. Marshal Service posting these new age-progressed images of three fugitives, possibly on the run for decades. Back in June of 1962, inmates Frank Morris, Clarence Anglin, and his brother John escaped from the notorious Alcatraz Federal Prison in the San Francisco Bay. The trio, serving time for armed bank robberies, fooled the night guards with dummy heads made of plaster, flesh-toned paint, and real human hair. They used homemade tools to help dig their way out, escaping through a ventilator cover on the roof, shimming down a smokestack, scaling a fence, and launching a makeshift raft made out of raincoats. But this is actually a real mechanical escape from a prison. It was hard to do, you know. Uh, is a very difficult thing to do, and they actually did it, so you got to give them some credit for that. Alcatraz was once home to some of the country's most dangerous criminals, including mobster Al Capone and the infamous birdman Robert Stroud. At the time, the prison was thought to be inescapable. So did the trio survive the treacherous crossing? Former U.S. Marshal Michael Dyke worked the case for years. So was it inescapable? Well, obviously not. I mean, they got off the island, but uh, as whether you're going to live through the escape, that has yet to be seen. In 1979, the FBI found there was no credible evidence to suggest the men were still alive. In 2016, Al caught up with author Bill Baker, who served time at Alcatraz. You weren't here when those three guys made their escape. 
Do you think they, they made it to, to the mainland? I kind of think they do. I think they did. Yeah. Uh, the reason I think so is that I know how patient they were. It, has, it would be hard for me to believe that they didn't cover the last part of it, the, the little rowboat, that they wouldn't have that figured out too. Now these tantalizing new images seem to indicate an investigation continues. The Marshal Service actually has a really good reputation for looking for people and never stop looking for them. And uh, if you give up, you know, everybody else is thinking you're going to give up on their case too. Outside of the new images posted to its website, the U.S. Marshal Service has made no additional comments on the case. And guys, it's worth pointing out if they were still alive, the fugitives would be in their 90s. Mm. Guys. That is well, fascinating. That is. Something Interesting that they released yeah. the images. Yeah. Right. Feels huh. like they might know something. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, Aaron, thank you. Thanks for planting that seed, Aaron. <laughs> Up next on Prince William's 40th birthday, a closer look at how the prince is working to bring the monarchy into the future and taking on a bigger role within the royal family. We're going to go live to Kensington Palace. And then Kim Kardashian on her way to Studio 1A. We're going to chat with her about a new project that is years in the making, plus her family. Pete, why what? not? We can talk about all of it, but first yeah. these messages. Mm. The dress? We're back. It is 740, and we are marking a very important royal birthday. Indeed, Prince William. He turns 40 today, a milestone for one of the most important figures in the royal family. NBC News contributor and anchor for Sky News, Wilfred Frost, oh. joins us. We couldn't stay away from you, Wilfred. Good morning. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stay away from you guys. Uh, good morning to you all uh, as well. I'm just outside Kensington Palace, as you can see. It's the current home for Prince William and his family, who today woke up to usher in his fifth decade. The man who will one day be king today turns 40, his face embossed on a newly minted five-pound coin released to commemorate the day. And with an increasingly frail queen, William is already taking on more royal duties. The Cambridges center stage at the Jubilee celebrations, along with their cheeky children too, who somewhat stole the show. But we're also seeing William at more sober events, like the state opening of Parliament last month, when the Queen could not be there. I was in fact in attendance, William next to his father, Prince Charles, looking stern and serious and ready to serve. Through the last four decades, we've watched this prince's progress. From the moment he was introduced to the world, to the charming schoolboy, then student at university where he met his future wife, hotshot helicopter pilot, and now a middle-aged dad of three, posting this family snap on Father's Day. But today, no doubt, he will also reflect on those not here. He wants to keep the memory of his mother, Princess Diana, alive, and he can see ways of doing that, particularly by promoting the issues that she cared for. His passion for helping the homeless stemmed from Diana. Just last week, he was spotted in central London quietly helping to sell copies of a magazine sold by the homeless, a magazine that this week features him on its cover. His father, too, a great influence, William's passion for saving the environment coming directly from Charles. Ours is a common mission. It means ensuring the brightest and boldest amongst us in all sectors of society are given the support to find the answers to the most important question we face, how to repair our planet. But he also wants to make his own mark and modernize the monarchy to ensure its survival in the 21st century 
and in a changing world, there are tremendous challenges ahead. There was that misjudged trip to the Caribbean in March this year. But even then, amidst protests and negative headlines, we did get a glimpse of his modern approach. I want to say this. We support with pride and respect your decisions about your future. Relationships evolve, friendship endures. And sadly, the relationship with his brother Harry remains strained. Unthinkable that they wouldn't be celebrating today together when you look at them as kids or consider what they've endured together from the trauma of their mother's tragic death to the more recent joy of being side by side for their weddings. How things have changed. But those challenges aside, William has slowly but surely improved his public image. Seen now as modern and forward-looking, yet delivering on his duty in an understated way. Happy birthday, Your Royal Highness. Well, you talked about William's vision to modernize the monarchy. So what would that actually look like in the years ahead? I, I think, Savannah, there's two parts to it. The domestic question, which he's been pretty clear about, either leaking to people or stating outright, needs slimlining. So fewer official members of the royal family, fewer titles, and therefore fewer people getting government funding. And I actually think that even if that seems like taking away from some of his extended family, even they might welcome that down the line. Just think we wouldn't have had that whole debate about what jobs Harry and Meghan can take if they hadn't had those official roles in the first place. On the international side, much, much more complicated. I don't think anyone will have the same appeal uh, that Her Majesty the Queen does internationally at the moment. When William becomes king, unlikely he'll still be head of state of 15 foreign countries like the Queen is today. Interestingly, though, at the end of that trip he made to the Caribbean, he said he only wanted to be head of state where he's wanted. And that oh. sort of forward-looking tone, I think, will endear him, at least in this country, for a long time. All right, well, big day over there. Wilfred, thank you. Good to see you. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Oh. Great to see you. All right, Wilfred, uh, we got 745. It's a good time to check in with Miss Dillon. What you got? Well, we have the heat across most of the country, where we do have record highs likely through the Midwest, back through the Tennessee River Valley, down south as well. We also have this frontal system, and as that moves into the uh, areas of the western Great Lakes, it'll likely trigger some storms today, so we do have to watch out for some stronger storms, damaging winds, and isolated larger hail today as well. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan. Coming up, your eight o'clock hour.